It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Behind the scenes of today's episode, my guest Joel Green, who I'm going to call Jay Green today because uh, that's what he's commonly known as. We ran into some tech issues and this happens from time to time. It's always so interesting when something that you feel really confident in doesn't go as planned. And there's always a lot of lessons in that. And it's a little sad because the tech issues we had resulted in in Jay and I deciding to not do video. And so sadly, there, there aren't as many visuals as there are with other guests when I upload content to YouTube. And I actually started off the first time we attempted the recording, pointing out what was behind Jay. So I'm just going to describe it, <laughs> which is two bookshelves with lots of books on it makes sense because one thing I learned about Jay is that he loves to read and I love to read too. So that's always exciting to talk to other book lovers. But also on the shelf were two non-book or there was a variety of things, but there was three items that stood out. One was a book, one was food, and one was a playbill. So the book is Will Smith's book. And I said to Jay, did that inspire the cover for your upcoming book? And he said, no, that he had created the cover for filtering the way to extract strength from the struggle, uh, which comes out in September 2022. You can pre-order it now for those that are interested. And it, it has a similar cover, but that's just kind of a coincidence. The second thing I noticed on your shelf, Jay, which I want to talk about later, but I'm going to mention briefly now, is the playbill for The Lion King. And the third thing was the box of Cheez-Its. So I want to start with the Cheez-Its, okay? Because I'm curious, and correct me if I'm wrong, I read that you're on the box of Cheez-Its playing basketball, which was your previous... Well, I shouldn't even say previous career because you're still teaching. You're just not playing professionally. Is that right? Correct. Correct. I mean, so I'm, I'm on the other side of the game now and I'm loving it, to be honest. I didn't even realize I would as much as I do. But outside of being a professional basketball player, now I'm teaching other people how to get to their next level, whether that even means making the middle school team or high school or making the pro squad or getting a scholarship to college. So I'm enjoying, you know, being a national director for Nike and Nike sports camps and just, you know, teaching people that way and through our camps, through my company. and I love it. I can tell before we started recording, you were telling me about the camp that you just finished this week, the one that you're going into next week. And there's so much passion there. I do want to hear, what is the story behind you getting on the box of Cheez-Its? <laughs> Are you a Cheez-Its lover? Like, how did this all happen? I am now. I better be. So <laughs> I didn't even know it was going to happen. I had no clue until... My then three-year-old son, he's nine now, we were in a store and he said, uh, Daddy, Daddy, you're on the orange crackers. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, no, you're, you're on the orange crackers. And I just thought it was, you know, 
I joke on myself. I thought it was Scottie Pippen or somebody that I may look like. He said, no, it's you. So he just darted off. He ran off to the other aisle and brought back this box of cheeses. And I turned it around and it was literally a picture of me on the back. And I stood there just in awe thinking, whoa, you know, where did this come from? So I walked to the next aisle and there's literally a wall of me. Just, you see the fronts of some of the boxes and I was on the back and you just saw me in a dunking pose midair on the backs of all these boxes. I'm, I'm talking, I felt like it was 50 plus boxes that were taller than me. And I'm six eight. It was some high rows of just boxes. It was amazing to see. I took the photo four years prior. You know, it took some patience just to have something come from the image that I took and Kellogg's, they selected my image out of thousands, they told me. We've had an amazing relationship ever since. And they put me on another box since then and sent it to me. And I've been playing in the celebrity game for Cheez-Its and Kellogg's, you know, each year. And, you know, Shaq is a part of it. He's been my coach a couple of times. Drew Brees, you know, some amazing personalities. It's a great time. I'm blown away by the fact that you didn't know until you're at a store. <laughs> you How does that happen? Like, how are they able to put you on a, a box of crackers without telling you? I, I guess it sounds like this was years ago that you tried to get the opportunity or something? How does that work? That's the funny thing. So when I first retired and stepped away from the game of basketball to start my company, on the side, I was doing sports and fitness modeling and acting, right? And so when I was doing that, I was, you know, I've been in a number of commercials. I, I was on a TV show doing different things like that. And amidst of this hustle and this grind, I took some photos, uh, you know, a random photo shoot one night. It was probably a 10 p.m. photo shoot just to get my portfolio increased. And for those that may not be familiar with modeling industry is you have something called TFP shoots, time for print. So you may have a photographer that's looking for models to build their portfolio. and You'll have models looking for photographers to build their portfolio. So you'll exchange the time, say, okay, photographer, please take my picture. Photographer saying, okay, I need a model. And you pretty much as the model sign the rights away to the images so that the photographer can, can use them in their portfolios or for whatever they want to use them for, but you just agree that it can't be used in any explicit manner. So I sold the rights away to this image and I became a stock photo. I was on iStock.com and all these stock image websites where you go to find a stock photo and Four plus years later, this stock photo, this random stock photo <laughs> that Kellogg's, you know, they ended up telling me, a representative said, man, we went through thousands of images and we selected yours. They put me on a box and I, I had no clue because I had no rights to the image. However, we ended up touching base with each other and we just connected we've had a relationship ever since. I'm talking about they put me on a box, another box since then, said hey, I'm a part of Team Jesus and I've been endorsing them, you know, just, you know, quietly just to really just expand the brand because I appreciate them that much. I ended up being one of, on Candace's of Pringles, Rice Krispies Treats, Famous Amos Cookies. When we were on camera right now, you would see behind me, there's also a box of Famous Amos Cookies that I'm on. So it was just a whirlwind of random blessings, I, I, I could say that I had no clue was coming. I'm blown away for a number of reasons. One of them is really funny to me because the episode that came out last week was with Coach Lee Hopkins. And 
he has this video that I started off his episode about related to Pringles. (laughs) And I think this is the first time Pringles has ever come up on my show, but how odd that like two episodes in a row have some sort of Pringles reference. I'm curious if you know this reference that Coach Lee did not know about, which was when I heard Pringles from him, I thought about this video I saw from Bo Burnham in which he references Pringles and it's like one of the funniest things. So if you haven't seen it, Jay, actually as a dad, there's also a, a layer of like having a kid and something related to Pringles. So, you know, you can check that. <laughs> it's also interesting because Bo Burnham, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him as a comedian, but he's doing this stand-up performance and he decides to make his own version of a Kanye West song. And the Pringles is like a huge part of the song that he's saying. I just rewatched it. I'm going to have to check it out. I hope that you think it's as funny as I do. Speaking of performances, you were starting to tell me before we started recording about why you love The Lion King so much and how that story framework, which is, I would imagine, based around the hero's journey, which many of those type of stories are. What is it about The Lion King that you've loved since you were a kid? Well, I mean, just the, the story of, of since the fact that I loved it as a kid, I related to the kid within the story before anybody else in the story. So it wasn't that I related to Mufasa or Scar or any, I related to Simba. You know, Simba was the, the hero to every kid that saw it. You know, he went from prince to king. But same time, you know, as I grew older, I really appreciated it. I experienced death, you know, of a loved one, of my, my one of my older brothers and had to overcome that. You know, the same way that Simba had. And obviously, in addition to the great music <laughs> in Lion King, just the, the realism of the good versus the evil in the story and just, again, overcoming and growth. That's a, a huge part of, uh, of the story for me is the growth that took place. You know, trying to run from where you've come from initially, then having to go back and face it, to face yourself in so many ways and face your reflection, to be able to you know, to dare yourself to look in the mirror and say, okay, no, this is who I am. I'm going to step into it no matter how tough it may be. I'm going to face it and face the reality that I ran from. And I'm going to thrive. I've had to do that multiple times. I appreciate the story in that regard. Like I said, just overcoming things as difficult as death and, and facing realities and just realizing once I face them, the awareness of who I am becomes that much greater. And that makes me wonder about your book, which the subtitle is The Way to Extract Strength from the Struggle. And it sounds like what you're describing. I'm curious, this word filtering, I interpret as you're filtering the strength from the struggle. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's exactly what's happening. Um, The struggle that may be taking place, there's always, you know, a lot of people don't see, but there's always fruit there. I mean, always. It's not sometimes. There's always some lesson, something you can draw from any struggle, any difficulty, any obstacle that can allow you to not go through that same that situation exactly the same way again. Even if you're confronted with the exact same or similar situation, if you learn something from that last time around, you can be more equipped for the next time around. And that's what it's all about for me when I go through anything. I want to draw whatever I can from that situation when I'm going through it, not waiting on hindsight to reveal any fruits or answers, but really being aware in that moment 
and now allowing my emotions to get in a way to cloud that moment, I filter it. I ask why it's here, but I do so without emotions. I don't ask, oh, why is this happening? I ask, why is this happening? Okay, what can I get from this? You know, what, what's the purpose of this? What fruits are lying beneath the surface of this? You know, I tell people all the time from the stage that there's seeds buried within every situation, but seeds don't live on the surface. You got to dig down. You got to find a seed. You got to water that seed. And once you begin to do that, you begin brainstorming on ways to grow that seed and ways to grow from that situation, no matter how difficult, death, divorce, job loss, whatever the case is. I try my best to filter every situation I go through, good or bad. I mentioned the struggle in the subtitle, but I filter my good moments. If I, I've won multiple championships in life and I've won a lot in sport and I filter those moments so that I can say, okay, what can I take from this so that I can do this again? What can I take from this and be, to keep from becoming complacent so that I don't rest on my laurels? So I filter everything. That's such a great lesson because... You know, even as you were describing the Cheez-Its experience, you know, that seems like an amazing win. You were a pro basketball player. You're mentioning being around really big names. And I think a lot of people perceive that as winning and making it. But you still have so much more life to live. So imagine if you were to just say, oh, I've already made it. Like, what would the rest of your life even be like? (laughs) Not letting all of that get to your head and thinking like, okay, life is good from now on, especially for you being a father. You also have this brand new thing and you're, well, not brand new, he's nine years old, but meaning like relatively new element of your life. You're writing a book or you wrote a book, it's coming out, you have training. I mean, you're doing so much that you are not becoming complacent, not letting your ego think like you've already done it and you don't have to work any harder. Is that something you think about? And do you observe people in your line of work as, as pro basketball players? Does it, are there a lot of people that do become complacent in a role like that? All the time. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I train, non-complacency, as far as athletes that I work with. I can tell when they really begin to, you know, in essence, feel themselves and, and love themselves too much. And that's when we have our toughest workouts many times. If I'm in the gym with them, just to kind of to break them out of that, that mold and that habit, because the moment complacency kicks in, you know, that's when, you know, consistency stops so often. I've seen it with myself. I've learned that because I've done it and I've celebrated too long in the past with different situations to where now I make sure Sure, I I smell the roses along the way. I enjoy the moment, but only for that moment. And I move on to the next thing. And I've been told by many people, oh, man, you should really celebrate that and get yourself a drink for that. No, I'm good. I'm okay. I celebrated it when it happened. And I keep myself focused on the next thing once I enjoyed that moment because I know myself and everyone's different. For me, I don't want to enjoy a moment 10 moments beyond that moment. I feel like I can already be working toward progressing toward another victory. While everybody else is still celebrating, I'm already en route to winning again. I learned that from sports. Now I apply it in business. I apply it in life. I apply it as a father, you know, to where I'm teaching him, hey, enjoy everything, man. But still find a way to keep progressing, even while you're pleased with the effort that you gave. That's an important thing for me. People always know that I do a lot. I've done a lot of things. Man, you're always out there doing something. It's intentional. For me, I I do my best to to not become complacent. 
plus it's an adventure. I enjoy new things. And if I feel like I've learned something and I've tapped out, I find something that I'm not so good at. And I challenge myself to learn that thing too. You mentioned some well-known names in basketball. And I'm curious who in that field and other fields are people that you look up to, see as role models. Who do you learn the most from? You also mentioned Will Smith. So this doesn't just have to be sports related. Well, Will Smith definitely is one. I've always appreciated his mindset, his mentality, just the way he thinks. I feel like, you know, we think on a similar plane as far as our method of operation, our MO. And, you know, there's, you know, Denzel Washington is one who I related to a lot, just hearing him speak on different things. Someone that I've spoken to, I had a half hour conversation with Kobe Bryant. That conversation changed my whole life. It changed a whole lot about my approach. I'll say that. My mentality, you know, we, we, we bring up Kobe Bryant and this Mamba mentality that's become so famous, you know, years unfortunately preceding, you know, his passing. But I heard it firsthand from him. I get it. He lived it. The things that he was telling me to do and the way he was telling me to do it, that was the most impactful thing. It wasn't what he was telling me to do. It was the way he told me to go about those things. It showed a level of obsessive perfection, I dare say, that I heard from him that I ended up seeing him live out. Those things right there, it set the tone for so much. And again, I mentioned Shaquille O'Neal earlier. The thing I, I can dare say I learned from Shaq is just to, to love on everybody. You know, I was just talking about that earlier with someone I was around and how he was not supposed to be signing autographs where he was. Uh, we were at an event together and we were both a part of the event. We were told to go to the back and he knew that everyone that was there was there to see him. He said no. He went back out to the court and was huddled by hundreds of people and stayed out there and signed probably every autograph. That right there meant a lot for me to see. You know, so I love just seeing things like that. And I learned from things like that. For me, it's like you can never be too high on life to just appreciate those around you. I love that. What a great lesson. And, and to see that played out from these great people and then have the opportunity to turn that around and, and teach it to your son. And I'm curious the impact he has on you. You started to tell me about that before we were recording. What has it been like and what is your relationship with your son like? How has that changed you over time? You know, my son being born changed everything, literally everything. I'm so intentional now. I'm very aware. Let me say that. I'm very aware that I'm always being watched, always. Whether his eyes are on me or not, I'm being watched. And uh, my movements are. So I'm so intentional about making sure what I do is something that can be upstanding, something that, if replicated, can be appreciated. So I'm always teaching him. I love teaching him because he's such a sponge. As kids are, we I develop quote cards that we go over every day before school. We work out before school. You know, I just want to show him principles of life to where, you know, whatever he decides to do, he wants to play in the NBA. He wants to play basketball. He loves basketball. I just want him to know whatever he does. Here's the principles that you can apply to whatever you do that will allow you to be successful. So again, I love teaching them with the quote cards that we go over every morning. We read a quote. Some, many of the quotes I created, many we found online and he has to then comprehend the quote and break it down to me. So it's changed everything about me. I'm just really intentional about everything that I do being something that he can admire and also something that isn't something that you can look down on. So I'm just intentional as a father now, like I never have been before. 
What's an example of something that's on the quote card? One of the quotes is uh, fear less to be fearless. You know, something that my father told me when I was younger, believe it or not. And I've gone over that with my son and say, hey, tell me what you think about it. So he has to just break down. Like, okay, you're just telling me I have to fear a little bit less in order to be, you know, fearless like a superhero. Like he'll say something like that. That's exactly like, you know, to be fearless doesn't mean, you know, you're absent of fear. It's okay to be afraid of different things, but just fear a little bit less when it comes to something that you may have been apprehensive about. And we just had that conversation before school. We sit in the car, you know, we get to school about 30 minutes before school even opens. We sit outside the school in a little roundabout along with other cars. <laughs> and we just go over one or two quote cards. And there's so many quotes we've gone over. We've been doing it for about two years. So that's one of the quotes I know that we did recently. And he does it very well with just comprehending. And that's, a, you know, he was just in third grade. So going into fourth grade, that's a way of us practicing reading and comprehension. Where did you learn to raise your son this way? Did it come from within? Did it come from, you mentioned your father. Were there other people that impacted you and supported you in developing into the father that you are? Well, you just mentioned the word development. Development was really vital in my household growing up from both my parents. They were, talk about intentional, they're both pastors, you know, in the church. So They gave us a can-do mentality so early. I'm talking about since birth. I got in trouble when I was eight. (laughs) I wrote about it in the book for saying I can't. I was on punishment. I didn't eat one night because of that. And I had to sit at the table and watch my three siblings eat (laughs) dinner all because I said I can't. It was that serious in my house. I said it twice, by the way. So, you know, it it just happened after the first time. I got a warning and then I said it again when I was doing some homework. That was really tough, some math homework. And next thing I knew, I wasn't eating that night. You know, I never said I couldn't do something again in my life, ever. I teach that to my son. So I know so much of what I teach, I've learned from my parents. As far as the values, the mentality, the approach to life to where you literally can do whatever you desire to do. Have some faith, have some work ethic, throw some energy behind it. You're going to get it done. Words have such a big impact. And these phrases we say, have a ripple effect for ourselves and others. So I'm curious, what is it about the words, I can't, that were so profound for you and your family? As far as you said, I can't, it's an immobilizer, right? So the the moment you start to say things like that, it's hard not to believe it. It's so hard not to believe that you can't do something if you say you can't do something. And I know they knew that, you know, and they still know that, you know, so they want they wanted for us so much to excel in school and excel in life to where we dare told ourselves we can't or we couldn't do something. And especially, you know, I'll say in the African-American household, we were already told so much that we couldn't do certain things in society. Why should we dare tell ourselves that? You know, they were very aware of that. So they made sure we did not carry that mentality of tearing ourselves down because we're already being torn down by some in society that just don't like us for being African-American. I mean, we were literally, they told us this, like what I'm just mentioning, right? They, they told us this. So I was very aware as a kid, I'm talking seven, six or seven years old, that, hey, there's going to be others that's going to try to break you down. Don't believe their words. Do not believe their words. I was told this. And you have to believe, you know, believe in God and, you know, believe in what the Bible says and believe that you can do all things through Christ. I just remember hearing all these things. 
to where my faith was so high that no one could tell me that I couldn't do anything. I just, I knew whatever I wanted to pursue, basketball, good grades. When I decided to pursue good grades, I knew whatever I decided to pursue, I would do amazing at. It's interesting to hear you reflecting back on that time in your life, which is not that far off from your son's age right now. And I'm curious, where are the similarities as well as the differences in terms of raising a son in a world that isn't fully accepting of people that look different from one another? How are you addressing that with him and guiding him so he feels empowered despite how other people may treat him? I've been strategic my entire life. Well, excuse me, his entire life, my entire time as a father, because it's, it's, it's a real thing. The challenge has been to teach, you know, various truths that's happened without developing hate within him, right? So that's the challenge to where it's not discussed that much. But we've heard about it with as far as the, the curriculums that some things aren't ones are trying to be kept out of schools. They don't want to teach X, Y, Z about, let's say, slavery and things like that. We don't want for you know anyone that may be Caucasian to be looked down upon for the time of slavery and stuff like that. And that's something to where I've talked to my son about. It's like, it's not about hating someone that doesn't look like you. It's about seeing the growth that has happened from both sides. Look where we've come and also look where they've come from, right? It's like, we're not enslaved anymore. They're not enslaving us anymore. You know, I think it should be taught more in the school to see the growth of both sides, to see one side has acknowledged wrong and say, you know what? Slavery is not right. (laughs) The other side has persevered and overcome that side and has been able to excel beyond that, which showed that bone and that muscle of perseverance. You know, I would hope for young African-Americans, I would hope that it's so encouraging for the future for them to say, man, we've come from that. Wow, we can go so much further. Maybe a sidebar conversation, but that's something to where I, I thought it would be great to teach in schools, not for sake of hate at all, but just for sake of perseverance and seeing the growth of both sides. And when I teach my son this, that's something I teach him. Look where we've come from, man. Here's where we've come from. I've taken him to the African-American Museum in Washington, D.C. I teach him as much as I can about our history, where we come from, and hopefully where we're going. That's so important. And I agree. It's really not discussed a lot. I Actually, when I was Going through your Instagram, I was thinking about the way that you teach these lessons and things like failure is a midpoint, not an end point, for example, really helping people think through problems and being dedicated to things. And I think it's common for, at least in this country, it seems like there's a combination of people believing in themselves, feeling like they have freedom, feeling like you can do anything. And then there's also this underlying messaging of like limitation and fear and anger and people taking sides and, and being focused on the battles and being against one another, canceling each other. And it's fascinating to see how the two can kind of, the messages are coming at us kind of simultaneously. And if you focus so much on the latter, you can get stuck in this negative mentality where maybe you know that you can do anything that you put your mind to, but you're held back by all those low emotions. Yeah, it's tough, especially today. Like you said, it's it's all thrown at at us at the same time, you know, by way of even social media, 
you know, you, since you bring that up, it's it's all there. It's a melting pot of of good and bad and everything in between. It really is about what you focus on and what you choose to, to see and, and believe in. I, I know that we all operate in the same way. What you're exposed to the most is kind of the foundation of how you operate. I just do my best to intentionally expose myself to as much positivity, uh, as much encouragement, not to be an optimist. No, that's not my intention, but to make sure my mind is in a place of productivity and not, you know, just becoming stagnant and, and not believing in myself because I'm exposing myself to so much negativity because it's hard to see that so often and not begin believing it. Just like I said, the word can't. If you say that so often, then you'll believe it. If you see so many things that tells you you can't, you'll start believing it. And I don't want that to be me or anyone I'm around, my friends, my family, my community. That's why I put these things out there online, because I want for everyone to think on a plane of just multiple perspectives, to be honest. It's not just about being optimistic. It's never about that with me, to be honest. I love for people to have multiple vantage points, to be able to have empathy toward even others that you may hate, just to understand even their side of the story of the table. Because with understanding, that's where a connection can finally happen. But with ignorance, no one can really connect. And that's where hate continues. So I just always try to provide further perspective so that people can say, oh, okay, I didn't look at it that way. And okay, let's let's give that a try. I'm going to pause here for a moment to take a very brief period of time to thank the show's sponsor, Athletic Greens. They make this wonderful all-in-one powder that's virtually nutritional insurance. And to tie that into this conversation, I think of this as a really great way to be mindful and intentional about what you put in your body without overstressing. It's an all-in-one that contains vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens. I take it almost every single day at home when I'm traveling love the taste of it. It's low in sugar and it's designed to support better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. It's also recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts. And the best part is beyond the all-in-one element is that it costs less than $3 a day. So for a delicious tasting green juice, it's really affordable and convenient. And because they're sponsoring this show, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, which I also take every day, along with five free travel packs of this AG1 green powder that I've been talking about. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash wellabator. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And there you can take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link is in the description of this episode along with the show notes. So go check it out. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Now back to the show. Perspective is so impactful. And it's interesting timing recording with you today. I told you how right before I got online with you, I was watching Will Smith's videos in which he was. I don't know if it was the first time, but it seems like one of the more profound times he's spoken about what happened at the Oscars this year. And I was really impacted by that because of perspective. And I remember thinking, wow, okay, like I'm observing it. I'm taking in all these other people's opinions on what happened. 
my perspective kept changing too, not just by hearing things and reflecting on it, but I started to see how complex that situation was. It's interesting given that he's made a big impact, Will Smith, on your life. And when I brought this up to you, you were saying something along the lines of you recognize what he did, but it didn't lose you as a fan of his. And I'm curious, like, what was it like for you to see someone that you have received so much positive value from, see them go through a complicated, messy, perhaps some people would view it as a mistake or something that was on the more negative side. What what was it like to see that play out with someone that you value so much? And what did you take away from it over time? It may sound shocking, even emotionless in all. I was shocked, just like the world. I was shocked by it. But I immediately said, dude, you made a mistake. I was over it. And what I mean by that is when I say I was over it, it was he's a human being. Now, although I admire him with a different level than I may a teacher, right? Because he's been out there for so long. He comes from Philadelphia. He, he made it out. You know, I have high admiration for him. And I think that's what made me say immediately, I'm over it. He made a huge mistake. He made an error. But I cannot let that make me down on him or frown on him now as far as all the other positive stuff that I've admired about him. This one moment doesn't change anything as far as my outlook toward him. I went, I'm not going to be afraid to be around him now. I'm not going to be hesitant to be around this guy. No, we all make mistakes. His just happened to be very public, you know? So... It was immediate for me to where I was over it from a sense of, if you want to say forgave him for that error. I was just hoping that he recognized the error of his way. I recognized it was a mistake right away. I know that's not him. I think everyone knew that's not typically him, but he was drugged through the mud as if that was just his character now. That I didn't think, oh, Will Smith is this villain now. No. So I was able to over it right away. I said, wow, that was crazy. That was a mistake. Hopefully he recognizes it. But again, he didn't lose me as a fan because I know one mistake doesn't overshadow all that you've done before that point. And I will hope that if I've made a mistake, that it doesn't overshow, over, you know, overshadow everything that I've done that preceded that. So I was able to look at it in that regard from that perspective and say, wow, okay. He made a very bad public mistake that others have done behind the scenes. It just wasn't at the Oscars, you know? So that's just really how I looked at the entire situation. Was this something that came up with your son? Did your son know about what was happening? And was it an opportunity for you to talk through as you just did with me? Because that lesson is really valuable. Does he notice things like that that happen in the media? And does this come up in your conversations? We haven't talked about this in conversation, but we've talked about others. We've talked about his own mistakes, him not beating himself up over a mistake. I tell him all the time. I mean, it with me. I tell him all the time, make mistakes. That's one of the main things I preach to him. Dude, it's, mistakes are okay. Being perfect. Being imperfect is one of the best things ever when you embrace it because so much pressure comes from trying to be perfect and you will never reach it. So I tell him all the time, make mistakes, man. But when you make mistakes, just make sure you're doing your, you're giving your best effort, whatever you're trying. If it's in school, if you come up short on a test, man, okay, did you give your best on this? Yes. All right. No problem, man. 
if you're playing basketball or soccer or any sport and you make a quote-unquote mistake, were you giving your best? Yes. Okay. Great job. That's about effort for me. So when I'm talking to him about things like mistakes, do not beat yourself up over a mistake, man. We know your intent. We know your heart. We know your intention when it comes to trying your best. That's all that matters. Try to be your best person. If you fall short every once in a while, no problem. That doesn't mean that defines who you are here on out. That's such an incredible gift to give your son that lesson because even as an adult hearing you share that, I'm thinking, wow, like how nice when somebody tells you that it's okay. We can beat ourselves so much. We can sit in guilt and shame and embarrassment. And we can let it hold us back. We can let it create fear for the future. And to have someone encourage you to make mistakes so that you can practice learning from them, practice accepting them, and know that one of the most important people in your life, your father, is there like cheering you on and helping you process it. It's just incredible. It reminds me of something else I saw on your Instagram that really resonated. I want to hear you speak more on because you, you actually posted this and then didn't write too much in the captions. So the phrase is embrace the fatigue. And I think that that ties into some of this because life can feel fatiguing. Being an athlete, I'm sure, is fatiguing. Being a business owner, a teacher, like all the things that you do. But it's also fatigue is a huge challenge for a lot of people mentally and physically. So what does that statement mean for you? And, and why did you feel compelled to post that? Well, that's something I learned, I will say, initially on the athletic side of life was embracing fatigue. Uh, I, I started telling myself that no one ever told me that as far as those words. But what I realized was as I embraced my fatigue, as I was, you know, being an athlete, that Every time I embraced the fatigue, it allowed me to break through comfort zones. Anytime I would embrace my fatigue, that's when I would go from the first win into the second win. And we talk about our second win all the time. You know, now I apply these same principles to life. The unfortunate thing is so many people haven't felt the gift of the second win of life, the second win of even sport, let's say dealing with athletes, because they weren't willing to embrace the fatigue full out of that first win to tap into that that reserve tank that they have, that that reserve tank of perseverance, of grit, of grind. When things aren't going right, with people being mean to you, broke up with this person, you lost that job. If you just embrace those things a little bit more, those fatiguing things, those mentally fatiguing, those emotionally fatiguing things, man, when you embrace them, they become a part of the process for you. As opposed to, like you mentioned earlier, the quote that I have, you know, failure is a midpoint, not an endpoint. They all tie in together as far as those quotes to where when you embrace the fatigue, you'll realize failure is not the end. Failure is literally, it has to be a part of the process. Me telling my son, make mistakes. I want him to fail. I literally want him to fail. I want him to see, okay, let me fail now as a child because failure comes later on in life. And I don't want it to be the first time you fail as an adult. No, please fail now, fail often. You know, but as you fail, Please keep moving forward at the same time. And you'll figure out ways not to fail. And that's when it's like, boom, I fortified that area. I now secured that area. That area where I was once insecure is now secure. That's what it's all about. It's just really embracing the fatigue of life so that you can level yourself up and break free of every comfort zone, which is a scary place after the first stage of the comfort zone. 
And, you know, it can avoid turning into the twilight zone. I'll say that. I love the way that you speak about supporting your son, raising your son. I'm curious, what do you learn from him and the other kids that you teach? I I know that you do these sports camps and you were telling me about a girls camp that you just completed this week and another one coming up next week. What things did you learn this past week from the students and from your son being there with you? Just being loose and having fun. That's the main thing I pick up. There's no thought. They have fun with no thought. It's so natural. They create their own fun. And there's a chapter in my book, Filtering, and I speak on this from the stage often, called Childlike Imagination. The thing I love about children is they just, they will create like none other. And we lose sight of this as adults because we're so busy. We're aware of statistics and limiting factors that society and the economy throws at us each day. But kids, they don't know those. They're so ignorant to those things. That ignorance is truly a blessing. Ignorance is bliss when it comes to children not knowing statistics and not knowing just so many things that can limit them. That's what I love about just being around kids to where they allow their imaginations to just allow them to create amazing things, amazing ways to have fun, amazing ways to enjoy life. And I saw that so often this past week with the young girls we were teaching at camp. They just, no matter if, if we didn't even have anything scheduled or structured for them, they still found ways and created ways to have fun because of their imagination. They literally would make up their own games. And I, I love witnessing things like that because it reminds me that I need to operate in the same fashion as an adult because would allow me to continue to have, you know, fun and enjoy life as a child does. I've told adults this plenty of times, you know, whether I'm speaking to an organization or a company to just imagine if you had the same creative outlet and flow as a child does, as you used to have as a child, but now having the intelligence, the education that you have, the resources that you have and connecting it with this creative imagination, this childlike imagination, Imagine what you can truly create. So that's what I look to tie into my life all the time, just stealing (laughs) this imagination from the kids and just applying it to my own life as an adult. And that's what allows me to have fun each and every day. That's so great. And you described yourself as a big kid to me earlier. (laughs) I am. (laughs) In what ways? Like It sounds like you're learning these lessons, but maybe they're being around kids, whether it's your son or, or someone that's at a, a camp, they're bringing out these sides of you and you get to embrace it because you're around them. Do you feel like you can be a big kid around adults too? And why or why not? Absolutely. Look, I am me wherever I go. You know, I, I've embraced that over the years. That wasn't always the case. So I, I will admit that I would say in recent years, I've allowed myself to just be wherever I am, no matter who I'm around, no matter what stage I'm on. I now let myself show. I let the fun side show. I let the, the child side of me shine through, obviously, professionally, if I'm in a professional setting. However, I don't hide it as I once uh, did, trying to fit in, trying to be cool. I don't want to fit in. I just want to be me. I don't want to try anything. I just want to live. Just living, the child side of me comes out, a kid's movie from the 80s, but with my son. And he loves, you know, 80s flicks and 90s movies and stuff like that. And at the same time, while he's enjoying it, I'm enjoying it because it's, it's allowing that nostalgic you know, feeling to come about. And it, it keeps me young. I'll be honest. It keeps me feeling good and uh, in a youthful mindset. 
and I just enjoy the act of movement. You know, I, I can run around outside like I, like a kid and say, oh, man, I had a fun day because I ran around outside. You know, it may be now me jogging as opposed to just running around in circles like a kid would. <laughs> but, you know, still, I'll run around my neighborhood and I feel like a kid just running around like I used to in the yard. So I just find ways to still do the same things as I did as a child. Now, the fact that I have a son that have the perfect excuse to still do some childlike things, go to theme parks and have fun or go to the arcade and have fun. I really just enjoy life intentionally. When I think on how did I enjoy life as a kid? And I replicate those things now as an adult. And I'll be honest with you, Whitney, that, that's allowed me to create a lot of business. As I've thought that way, you know, how did I create fun as a, as a child? And now knowing what I know, I create those things you know, from a business side, it has helped generate amazing business. I bet. And I'm curious, since you do a lot of public speaking, since you're writing a book that I would imagine mostly adults are reading, what do you observe in other adults? Do you feel like a lot of the people that you speak to are struggling to let out that inner child and enjoy life because they're focused on the hustle and the grind and maybe viewing life through more of like a polished professional point of view versus like finding the balance between accomplishment but enjoyment? Absolutely. Uh, We're too grown. We're way too grown. What I mean by that is, is that we're trying to be grown. It's difficult for so many to see and understand, but our education has, you know, it grew us up in such a way, in such a fashion to where it almost taught us to not enjoy life as we used to. Our most enjoyable parts of life was when we were younger. We say that all the time. We think back, well, why? What stops, what's stopping us from reliving? We're not even reliving those moments, but just creating new moments of of enjoying things and I get life is more busy now because we're, you know, adulting is not (laughs) easy, but if we're intentional about still having the same level of excitement, enjoyment, and still, again, it sounds corny and even cheesy, but using our imagination to just enjoy life, sitting back and daydreaming about places we want to visit. Now, since we have the resources and hopefully maybe the, the financial ability to travel, sit back and dream on those, on those places. Same way as a kid used to dream about going to the moon one day, becoming an astronaut, or becoming a doctor or a lawyer. We can dream about the same things today as adults in different fashions. And I think we just choose not to. And also for many, we may feel like we don't have the time to, because by the time we finally sit down, we may be dozing off on the couch at the end of the day because we're so exhausted. So I get it. But so many adults, we try to be an adult too often. And it takes away from who we can truly be and become to enjoy this thing called life. Yeah, I was looking over your website and it reminds me of some of the videos I haven't watched down there. One was titled Dream Without Limitation. And it seems like maybe adults view life as kind of fitting in a certain box of what it means to be a grown up. Perhaps if you could dream without those limitations that allows you to broaden and tap back in and redefine it. And another thing on uh, another video title on there is Enjoyable versus Endurable. I'm curious, since I haven't seen that yet, what does that mean? That's a big one for me. That's, again, that's something I've spoken about. I did a, quite a bit of speaking on that. The first shutdown uh, that we had as a country, I just realized so much of that wasn't <laughs> enjoyable. 
for people. It wasn't, you know, always enjoyable for me, but I had to ask myself, is that what's most important? No, it isn't. You know, have the ability to persist, to persevere, to see beyond where you currently are and say, well, look, is this at least enjoyable? I mean, is it at least endurable? You know, and if the answer is yes, if this is endurable, then continue to move forward. Take at least one more step forward. And the funny thing is, is that the more we endure, the more we believe in ourselves, the more our self-esteem and our self-confidence increases. And the great thing about that is when those things happen, whatever we're going through becomes more enjoyable. So it's like when you look at a situation, you assess it, you filter it, and you extract something from it as far as, okay, can I at least endure this situation? Enjoyability is on the other side. You know, the ability to enjoy that situation is actually on the other side of endurance. And that's what I try to get people to to ask themselves when they're going through something that's difficult. Look, it may not be enjoyable, but can I at least endure this, you know, for another moment? And if you ask yourself that often as you're going through a process, you'll realize, wow, I actually made it over to the other side. What do you most enjoy right now? Like, what do you think you'll enjoy this weekend? I told you that I'll be going into a camp next week. I'll actually be going into a camp tomorrow morning, believe it or not. So it's a guy who I used to work with. He's a current NBA player. I used to train him when he was in high school. He asked me if I can help him out with his camp tomorrow. It's a one-day camp. So I'll be doing that tomorrow morning. After that, I'm looking forward to just sitting down. I don't watch TV as much as I desire to or, you know, the, the new series. I'm a movie buff. I love movies. So I will catch a new movie. But... I think I actually may try to sit down and, and watch, you know, some series tomorrow. I have no clue what. And to me, it doesn't even matter. But I just want to sit down and freestyle with the day. And I think I'll really, really enjoy that. That sounds really nice. And since you're a movie buff, are there any movies you've seen recently or want to see? Because I feel like I haven't been to the movie theater since the pandemic started. And I really miss that so much. The movie that I there's a couple that I really want to see right now. One is called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And I that's streaming. But the other movie that's not streaming yet that I really want to see and I'm like debating whether to go to the theater or not is Nope. <laughs> right. I just saw it. I just saw it. You did? Yes. And how was it? You would enjoy it. It's, I will say it's probably not exactly what you're expecting. I didn't know what to expect from the trailers, from the previews. I went to the movies because I was curious about what it would end up being. I was entertained. I'll say that. I'm not going to give anything away. But I was entertained by the movie. I'm not going to go out and say, oh, this is going to win awards. No, but it's an entertaining time sitting down. It was enjoyable to watch. It was funny, things like that. It was good. Okay, so... Thank you for that. I'll keep that in mind. Maybe that'll prevent me from going to the theater and I'll just wait till it's streaming. But although, I mean, I would love to go to the theater, but it's just, it feels like a, a wild time in, in the big cities right now. What movie are you most looking forward to seeing? Are you anticipating any releases? I am. John Wick, I think four. So John Wick, I think that was going to be maybe late 2023. Black Panther 2. I'm anticipating. I just saw the trailer for the first time last week. Did it give you chills? Because I felt like that was an incredible trailer. It, it was eerie chills because, you know, just the fact that Chadwick isn't here in real time as well as, you know, in the movie. So it was like, man, this is 
so tough to just even watch a picture of him on the trailer. It was tough to even see because I'm like, man, you know, I loved him as an actor, appreciated him. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. That may be the one I'm anticipating the most. Did you see Hustle with Adam Sandler's, uh, the basketball movie? I did. I was approached, and, you know, as far as casting for it. And I just said I was kind of done with that side of things. Really? Yeah, I had a lot of friends that were in it. Do you regret saying no? Or you have friends that are in it? number of friends that were in it. I received the casting and I sent it to a couple of buddies I thought it would be good for. At the moment, I had so much business in front of me. You know, as a business owner and setting up, you know, uh, things through my training company and preparing for almost 70 camps around the country that has to take place within a seven to eight week period. I said, you know, thanks for no thanks. I'll enjoy watching it. I thought it was so cool that it was all shot back home in Philadelphia. That was the best part for me. But I just, I was able to sit back and enjoy this thing. Before, I, if a casting came my way, Whitney, I'm telling you, I was on it. I would go to New York. I would be right on the train to Manhattan and I would be at the casting call the next morning. But at this stage of my life, I, I enjoy being home more often. You know, again, being a father, you know, it just it changed everything for me. So I'm like, OK, he, he needs me around more often. So if I'm not traveling to speak or to do a camp somewhere else, uh, you know, then I'm going to be home. So I decided not to do it and or pursue it. Rather, it wasn't that I had a role, but I could have went out for the casting. I feel like if I went out for the casting, I would have gotten a role. Yeah, look, I, you know, and that's without, it's not me being arrogant. It's just me saying, okay, I know the process of castings by this point. I've gone through so many to where I know what they look for. And I know, you know, athletically or a look and things like that, I can, you know, I can make happen. I feel like I could have gotten in the movie, but it was so enjoyable just watching the movie and seeing people I recognize and I know personally in the movie. It, I loved it. It was a great movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. And I, I love this lesson that you're sharing here at the end of being mindful of what's important to you, you know, and the way you described your thought process, passing up on an opportunity that some people would think like, oh, they they have to drop everything to take something like this. But you really are clear on your priorities and able to weigh out the pros and cons of saying yes to something, even if it seems like this big thing, it might not be the right thing for you. And really appreciate that about how you approach life. And you've shared just so much. I've been writing down all these quotes. I will send them to you because, you know, they could be turned into more Instagram quotes for you. You're so good at (laughs) putting them all together. But you say things so articulately and, and reframe life and you pass on messages that adults and children, parents, I mean, your wisdom spans across the ages and has really left me with a great feeling of hope and positivity and gratitude. So thank you for sharing that with me and the listener today. No, I appreciate that, truly. I just enjoy seeing life from from different angles. That's just, I've gone through so much coming up in unideal situations to where I used to have to distract myself by imagining <laughs> ideal situations growing up in North Philly. It was just, it was a tough situation. So I'm glad that now as an adult, I still do that because it worked for me as a child. I would set goals when I was younger to distract myself from things that I was surrounded by that wasn't the best thing. I just try to keep doing that same thing. I mean, and just try to help other people do the same because 
not to distract themselves at this point, but more so just to really focus on, as you mentioned earlier, try to focus on the right things and just really be able to thrive as a result of that proper focus. You're doing a phenomenal job. And I imagine that your book just has so much more. So it's always wonderful when a guest comes on and and has something new coming out, because that means for the listener, you can start here and then go on and, and read even more wisdom from Jay and his writing and go into his website where those videos I mentioned were and the Instagram And I've listed them all for the listener in in one easy place, along with a full transcript. So if you want to go back and see all these quotes that you shared today, Jay, uh, they're all in one place with the links, the information about where to get more from you. I'm also hoping that you create your own podcast. So (laughs) maybe the listener can help me encourage that, but I don't want to add more to your plate. (laughs) You have me thinking about it. Oh, man, you had me thinking about it. I'm, I'm so serious. Too. I can trust that you will be able to choose in your mind where the priorities are and see if a podcast fits in. But regardless, you're just doing so much. So for the listener, I've put it all together at wellevator.com. That's the website, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com in the podcast section. The full transcript is there, along with all the references that we've shared, all the links, the links to Joel Green, aka Jay Green's book for you to um, pre-order if you're listening uh, super close to the release date or if it's after what, September 6th, 2022 is when it comes out? Yes. All right. So anytime after that, if you're listening, you can go get your hands on it immediately. And I hope you do. I hope you enjoy learning how to filter out the wonderful beauty of life despite all of the struggles. And also, as you pointed out too, Jay, I loved when you said like, it's not just about filtering out the good, it's about filtering out the bad and viewing that from the different perspectives. It's just so, so impactful. So thanks again for spending the time with me and sharing all of this with the listener today. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I, I truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.